Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's the last Sal Sports and Stuff podcast. No, not ever. Just for about a week or so, I'll be back. Just uh, as you know, I've been talking about going on vacation now the last couple of podcasts. I usually don't do that. I don't be like, I'm not usually like, hey, I'm going on vacation and let you know all about it. But man, it has been a long time since I've been anywhere because of the travel restrictions and things like that. So going to be gone next week. Sunshine, golf, family, friends, Florida. Uh, we're going to make sure we stay safe, but also have a good time. So we're going to do that. But it's interesting, you know, this week, President's Week is when kids in Buffalo, generally, most of Western New York, kids have off for their winter break. So what my wife and I have done since Max has been in school the last few years, basically, has been we have scheduled a vacation during this week because it's so much easier. A, it falls right after the football season. So... I'm safe there. Like even before free agency, it's a perfect window for me. It's after the Super Bowl, before free agency. I can, you know, get away and not have to worry about too much happening. Sure. I mean, the Bills could make a trade for all I know, but, you know, basically it's not the middle of the season or something big that's going on I need to be ready for. Uh, so that works for me. Um, you know, she has vacation time at her work, my wife, and, you know, Max is off for the whole week. So instead of being here, cooped up in the house, and then, you know, it's the middle of February, you're like, okay, we've gone through. Yeah, November, December, January here, winter. It's been a long few months, the snow, all that kind of stuff, the cold. You know, let's get out. It's just you get cooped up after a while. So that's what we've done the last few years. I highly recommend it. If you have kids especially, the President's Day week vacation is always good. But book it early because I got to tell you, last year, we booked a cruise during that week. Went to the Bahamas. There were, it was, um, it got, it filled up pretty quick from what I remember. But what's interesting is, we went down there and there were so many Buffalonians, people from Western New York, people who recognized me, uh, people who just had Bill's gear on. And I said, hey, are you from Buffalo? And we started talking, things like that. So I know a lot of people from Buffalo have the same idea. And I'm sure a lot of people elsewhere do, too. It wasn't just people from Buffalo on the cruise, obviously. There were thousands of people from all over the world. But a lot of people have that same idea, you know, at that same time to take a vacation. I'm just recommending it. I think it's a really you know, good time to do it. And it works out for you. You don't go stir crazy or kill each other in your house because you got your kids home with you and you're all there together. But you know, it's also been a year since we've all been kind of cooped up and here in houses or wherever else. And that's, you know, our case here as well, aside from, you know, certain times going into the radio station, I've done my extra point show on Mondays uh, during the season from the actual studio. But when you hear me on the air on WGR in the morning or afternoon, I'm generally just, you know, in my office at home, my office is my attic, basically, which has turned into one side's a playroom for Max, one side's an office for me, and it sounds just like this. It's pretty crystal clear, and you always hear me on the air, and it sounds like I'm in the studio, but I've been at home, pretty much. You know, Max has been doing the hybrid stuff as of late, which is great, but it's nice to get away. The other thing is, when we went last year, it was right before the pandemic started. I mean, we were on a cruise, come back, and like literally two weeks later, everything gets shut down. Pretty incredible. So, you know, now we're hopefully, 
going on vacation just as this thing is hopefully ending. I mean, you know, we don't know exactly where that's going. We're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, right? I mean, I don't, I don't talk about, you know, the political side of it or anything like that, but you know, I will tell you that I am very, very excited to, you know, get out of this thing as soon as possible. And I'm actually on the list of uh, comorbidities. Is that how you say it? Comorbidities. I'm on the list because I have thalassemia. I have thalassemia minor. Thalassemia is, it's generally like found in most, um, you know, Mediterranean people of Mediterranean descent. Uh, it's a, it's a blood disease. Um, it, it impacts my hematocrit, my hemoglobin. Um, basically I have way more red blood cells than you listening. Most of you, I have way more, but they're all super small. And because of that, I'm supposed to be super tired all the time which as you know, is totally the opposite of who I am and the way I operate. I am super energetic. I'm not like that at all. Sure. Do I get tired? Yeah. But I, I'm, I don't think any more than anybody else to be quite honest with you. And it's funny because I've gone to doctors and specialists, you know, my whole life to kind of, you know, stay on top of my numbers and things like that. And a lot of times they'll say, I've gone to like cancer specialists who specialize in blood work. And they've said, how are you not tired and sleeping all the time? And my general answer is because since I was a kid, my mom would not she would never say like, oh, you have thalassemia. You should be tired. Go to sleep. She'd be like, uh, get out of the house and go do something, pal. And I think that's why I am the way I am. I'm super high energy and I'm, you know, just normally naturally like that. So, you know, everybody's different, I guess, but I do have thalassemia. And because of that, I'm on the comorbidities list in New York state and finally got an appointment. I'm going to be going and getting the vaccine actually in a couple of weeks. So, you know, just put it out there, like I said, for whatever you think about all that stuff. You know, I respect everybody who says it on both sides, what they think about all these kinds of things. I don't want to get into all of that. That's not where I'm going. I just want to say, like, I'm kind of happy and, you know, feeling good about where this is going and personally looking forward to having the vaccine and getting ready to get out there and be able to do what we all we can all do again. So, you know, that's uh, that's something I'm looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to vacation. Are you like me? Are you like me? Because I am the kind of guy that I don't really get too excited for something until like it's right there and happening. And I know it's happening. We've had this vacation plan for a while. And my wife has said to me many times, aren't you excited? Like I'm getting ready to go. And I'm like, no, nah, not yet. Like I will be, I will be the day we leave. And she's like, how can you not, you know, look forward to it? Oh, I do. I look forward to it, but I don't get like that. And it's, I've always been like that. I've always been the guy who doesn't get too excited until it happens, right? Going to a game or a vacation or something like that. And maybe it's because, I just don't want to be disappointed if it turns out that it doesn't happen. I don't know. Not that I've been disappointed a ton in my life, but maybe I just, you know, want to guard against that. I actually think might be because of kind of what I'm doing right now, which is I realized that there was just more stuff I wanted to make sure I got done before I left to wrap it up, wrap up this, the state of the bills podcast, part uh, podcast, the state of the bills podcast, wrap up the articles, things like that. I want to make sure I got everything buttoned up and really, done before I leave. And maybe that's why. And as soon as I'm done talking to you here and, you know, putting the podcast up, I'm ready to rock and roll. So I've gotten through all the articles. We've done that. Check it out. WGR550.com, State of the Bills. I've gone through every position and I've accompanied every position with a podcast until now finishing up with the secondary. Going to go through the corners, the safeties, and even the specialists on this one. And then we're all set. And by the way, also at WGR550.com, I have posted today on Sunday my annual Buffalo Bills offseason tracker. Check it out. It's got all of the Bills pending free agents, anybody they sign, 
all the future reserve signings, and I'll just keep it updated. And we all will at WGR, like uh, Brayton and Joe and everybody, the producers, the people who you know help me do things over there. We got a great staff. Anytime something happens with the bills, a transaction, something like that, it'll be listed on the tracker. So check it out, WGR550.com, Buffalo Bills 2021 offseason tracker. Uh, draft picks, the bills have a first, a second, a third, no fourth, two fifths, one from the Raiders, a sixth. They do not have their own seventh, but they do have the Carolina Panthers seventh. That was from a Marshall Newhouse trade, I believe, a few years ago. So um, check it all out. It's at WGR550.com. Um, I, w- I do want to get into, and I'm going to real quick the in, in a second here, the corners and the safeties in the secondary. But, you know, this whole J.J. Watt thing that's out there. I I think that, you know, there's a lot of differing opinions and they're, they're, they're kind of, you know, even polarizing, which is to the extreme of, oh my God, get this guy, to the other extreme of, no way, stay clear, he's too old, he's got too many injuries. I think as with a lot of, you know, free agents and these, this kind of thing, kind of comes down to price, right? Would I want J.J. Watt on the Buffalo Bills? Sure, as long as I'm not paying him so much money that it's going to cripple me from doing everything else I want to do because I'm not quite sure what I'm going to get from J.J. Watt. You know, there's a lot of risk here if you want to bring him in. I do think, A, you know, the first question you ask in a situation like this is, does he fit the locker room? Does he fit the culture? The answer to that is clearly yes. He's J.J. Watt, right? I mean, we all know that. So, yeah, he's going to fit that. And exactly what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean want in a football player on and off the field, that kind of stuff. We all know that about J.J. Watt. Then you have to ask, like, does is there a role in his team? Like, do you have a spot for him? Does he fit where he plays? Of course. Edge rusher, yes. Outside, defensive end, yeah. Inside, he can kick in. Um, what do they have right now? Jerry Hughes, we know. Mario Addison, A.J. Epinesa, like, you know, we've gone through the defensive ends. Like, yeah, J.J. Watt would play. There's no doubt. Um, you know, even if he's a, in a, a part of a three-man rotation. But then you do think about if it is a three-man rotation, you know, and they could also obviously get rid of or move on from, I should say, you know, Mario Addison and make him the starting defensive end. But either way, there's there's room, there's spots, there's snaps for J.J. Watt. There's no doubt. The question I have comes in the injury history at his age. J.J. Watt has missed. 32 games over the last five seasons. He's played 48 of a possible 80 games. That's not really good. (laughs) And if you're going to bring a guy in like that, you better be darn well sure that he's going to stay healthy and play and give you, you know, what you're paying him for. Now, he did play 16 games last year. That's great. The problem with that is in those 16 games, he only had five sacks. And he only had one sack the entire second half of the season. Five sacks, as many as A.J. Klein had. It's as many as Mario Addison had. Like, what are you getting from J.J. Watt? So how much is it going to cost you? Those are questions that all have to be answered. So am I opposed to having J.J. Watt in the Buffalo Bills? Of course not. But I don't, I'm not interested in paying J.J. Watt $14, $15 million a year to come in because, you know, we're talking playing 16 games and probably 17 actually next year. And A, is he going to be part-time? You paying him that much money? Is he going to be full-time? But then are you only going to get 12 games out of him? And even then, where's the production? Is the production going to jump back up? If you go back the last year and a half, I just said he had five sacks last year. J.J. Watt only had eight sacks the year before that. I'm sorry, four sacks the year before that in eight games. So he had he's had nine sacks only total in the last year and a half, season and a half of football. You know, that's... um. That, that's not a great rate of a guy you want to, you think is going to come in and make a huge difference. But, you know, who knows? Maybe, you know, and, and he's only 32. I will say this. The age, he seems like he's a lot older. 
He's actually younger than both Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. So I think there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. And again, I'm not totally opposed to it. Tell me how much it's going to cost, where it's going to cost you guys in the roster. We've talked about defensive end, defensive tackle, Jefferson, Butler, Addison, you know, release candidates. You're, you're still going to want to have money around to play with on the roster for other guys, Milano, Williams, Feliciano. We've gone through all of that. So, you know, that's the that that's the tricky part about J.J. Watt. And I think you have to figure out, and you know, if it, maybe it's a three-year deal and you can spread some money out and things like that. Because even at his age, I think, you know, like I said, you have Hughes at 33 and Addison at 34. It's not like this organization is opposed to having guys in their mid-30s. Lorenzo Alexander was in his mid-30s, you know, when he finally retired. So was Kyle Williams. So, you know, you if, if he comes in and plays the way J.J. Watt did just uh, like three years ago, oh, my God, like who would not want that on the Buffalo Bills? And plus, he'd be great in the room, great in the locker room. We know that. But the injury history scares me at his age and, you know, what it's been recently for sure. All right, so let's wrap up my State of the Bills series here going by positions. And let's start with the cornerbacks because the Bills, I did, I did what I did was I did two separate articles, corners and safeties. So we're going to do secondary and all of it together here. But when you look at the Bills cornerback position, the only real question we have is who starts opposite Tredavious White? Now, the answer to that may very well be someone who's already on the roster. And if it is, that could very well be a person who's already started for the last couple of years, and that's Levi Wallace. Or it could be somebody else who's already on the wa- roster, such as Dane Jackson. So let me talk about Wallace first. He is going to be a restricted free agent. What that means is the Bills have an opportunity here to give him a minimum qualifying offer to retain his rights. And if they do that, though, it's probably going to be north of $2 million when it all comes down. We don't know that number yet from the league for this situation yet this year. But, you know, that's not a lot for a guy who's going to start. And if the Bills feel he's going to start, then I think, you know, you make sure you do that. But if not, then you probably don't pay him that money. And you say, you know what? Let him become an unrestricted free agent. And then we can try to sign him back at a lesser rate. But if you do that, he also could sign somewhere else with another team. And you have to weigh that. And if you're willing to, you know, risk having Levi Wallace go. Not that Levi Wallace is this great player you have to keep. But he's given this team actually really good value, I think, since he came in as an undrafted free agent in 2018. I know he's been the object of a lot of criticism over the last couple of years, giving up a lot of plays. But look, when you play opposite Tredavious White, and then you have Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer behind you, and you're that fourth guy, you're going to get targeted a lot, and that can happen. He's definitely had his inconsistencies for sure, but I don't think he's played horribly at all. And I think that, you know, he's actually done a pretty good job for especially an undrafted free agent they came in and developed. And they did a good job of developing him, as they have, I think, their entire secondary when you look around the roster and some of the young guys that they've had. Now, he missed four games, Levi Wallace did, due to injury last year, but otherwise started every game for the Bills over the last couple of years, but he did rotate in 2019 with Kevin Johnson and then with Josh Norman last year. So it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, Bills play this, the pending restricted free agency. And again, if he, if they plan on him starting next year, I think you know qualifying him at that $2 million or so number is probably something you do. If not, then you know you might you take your chances and say, yeah, we'd like to have him back at a lesser rate. Or if he walks, then, you know, we will have to just live with that. Now, Josh Norman, he was signed to a one-year deal last offseason, 33 years old, suffered a hamstring injury in training camp, missed three games, came back, re-injured the same hamstring, missed four more games, finally settled into a regular rotation over the last three regular season games and then the playoffs with Levi Wallace. He was a nice veteran backup to have, 
but he certainly did not give them, I think, what they expected or at least hoped for when you know they signed him, thinking back to his days in Carolina. I do not see him back on this team next year, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, and we'll see you know, where his career path takes him. I just don't see him back on the Buffalo Bills. Let's talk about Taron Johnson, nickel corner. He had a very up-and-down season, especially early in the season. He came in, entrenched as the starting nickel corner, then he really struggled early on. So much so that he actually lost his starting job to Cam Lewis, the guy from UB. That was right before the week six game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, I should say in the in that game, he did not start that game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Lewis did. But Lewis gets hurt on the very first series of that game, tries to play on the next series, couldn't really do it. Johnson comes in, plays the majority of that game. And then from there, Taron Johnson never loses his start, starting spot again. And he had a really good year. And in fact, I would say, he got better and better as the season went on. I think Taron Johnson was playing great football by the end of the season. He even had two of the signature plays of the Bills season, both interception returns for touchdowns, pick sixes. One came Sunday night football, week 14 against the Steelers. Remember that one? Then 101 yards against the Ravens, AFC divisional round playoff game, uh, changed that game completely. It was going to be 17-10 if the Ravens score or 17, what, I'm sorry, 17 17- it would have been, what was the score at the time? It was the Bills were winning 14-7, to seven, I believe. Would have been 14-14. I, I'm messed up on exactly what the score was. You guys get the point. Taron Johnson saved the day right there to make sure. I know the Ravens were going to tie it. That's what I remember. So I have to go back and look exactly what the score was at the time. But you get the point in what I'm trying to say. Um, it was 10-7. Maybe they're going for the lead. Who, who knows? So forget I even said all that, except to tell you that Taron Johnson did a really good job on that play, and he had that 101-yard interception return against the Ravens on top of the one uh, that he had against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's really tough, but we know that that toughness and willingness to get his smaller frame involved has cost him some injuries through his three seasons. Um, But he did play 16 games this past year. He's still under contract for one more season on his rookie deal. He's going to go to camp next year as the incumbent at the position. But, you know, Cam Lewis is going to present some competition. Lewis was a guy that has been here for a couple of years now. Weighed by the club after training camp, signed back to the practice squad. That's happened two years in a row. He actually got hurt in 2019, and that cost him a shot at making the roster. But they did keep him around on the practice squad the last two years. Finally did get a shot to play his first NFL action this past year. It all came on special teams, and then he got a chance to start week five against the Titans when the Bills had, you know, the um, COVID situation that they were dealing with. And then, as I said, he had that week six game as well. Unfortunately, got hurt and, you know, basically didn't, you know, play much the rest of the year, although he still had some time. He got elevated a couple times and things like that. And this is a kid I think the Bills have done a very good job with. He works hard. Uh, he's going to fight for a job next year once again. I see him coming back to camp. Why not? You know, he is under uh, under contract. He did sign um, another future reserve contract. So, you know, he'll be back with the team once again. And I think that's good for Cam Lewis to be back with the team. Dane Jackson. Now, this is a guy that was the darling of the Bills fan base with the way he performed in his limited action from the very first game that he saw um, in New- against the New York Jets in week seven. By the way, let me rewind just for a second. Sorry. Cam Lewis actually finished the season uh, on injured reserve, so he didn't sign a future reserve contract. He's actually on the team. He's actually under contract, so he'll be on the team again next year. But, you know, either way, it doesn't matter. Just wanted to clarify exactly what his situation was. But he finished the season on injured reserve. He never actually came back, but he's on the actual roster going into the 2021 league year. Now, as far as Dane Jackson's concerned, he did see significant time on defense. 
Um, as the season went on in games that he was elevated in, he actually wound up playing a lot in a couple of different games, um, a couple of different starts he had to have. The first was week 10 against the Arizona Cardinals, eight tackles, a pass breakup, a fumble recovery. Then he starts again in the finale week 17 against the Miami Dolphins. He made a big tackle near the Dolphins goal line, had two more pass breakups, and maybe he didn't start in those games. He played a lot in those games. That was like his biggest action of the season. But this is a guy that a lot of people really liked. He comes in right from the jump, draft pick, rookie, out of pit. I really liked him at the Senior Bowl. I remember being at the Senior Bowl last year, and the very first player I saw that I really liked, I'm like, oh, I like that Dane Jackson guy from Pitt. I didn't know the Bills were going to draft him. They wind up drafting him. And everyone thinks, oh my gosh, he's on the practice squad. The Bills are going to lose him because he's playing so well. He can get poached by another team. Absolutely. That could have happened, no doubt. But it didn't. And that's good. Because now the Bills have him. They did sign him to a future slash reserve deal. What that means, as I've explained before, it's kind of like having a guy on layaway. (laughs) Uh, The Bills sign him to a contract that actually doesn't take effect until March 17th at 4 p.m. when the new league year begins. But he... They have his rights. He can't do anything. He's on the team going into next year. He's technically sound, a tremendous tackler, and it's a really nice player to have in your roster. And I would say even a very viable candidate now to possibly win the starting job opposite Tredavious White, or at the very least, play a significant role at corner since he can actually play both outside and inside. So, you know, we'll see where that goes with Dane Jackson, but he played really well last year. And a lot of people really loved him. I loved him too. And I think he's got a future in Buffalo. And it's nice to have him back. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if Dane Jackson is the starting cornerback opposite Tredavious White next year. Saran Neal. He used to be a safety. Now he's a corner. But really, he's both. Valuable piece of the Bills secondary. Able to play corner and safety. Been in the system now for three years. But he's truly become one of the team's top special teams players, especially as a gunner on the punt team. Finished with the second highest snap total on special teams of any Bills player behind only Tyler Medikevich. Almost 58% for Saran Neal on special teams, which is a big number. He'll be entering the final year of that rookie contract next season. Good player. Uh, they'll cross that bridge next year when they come to it, but I fully expect him to be you know, in the exact same position he is next year as one of the team's top special teams players and valuable depth player in the secondary. So, although... There looks to be some healthy competition for the starting spot opposite Travis White. I would say cornerback may even be a very, very interesting option when the Bills pick number 30 in the NFL draft coming up in the first round. And here's a, a good reason why. Think of it this way. Tredavious White just signed a contract extension. He's under contract for five more seasons. Five more. For 2021, 22, 23, 24, and 25. If the Bills were to draft a guy at 30th, who could be an excellent corner. I mean, remember, Travis White was the 27th pick, right? You can get a really good corner down there. If the Bills were to draft a guy, and he's even close to what Tredavious White is, you could have both of them together for five seasons because that player would be on a rookie deal. So you'd basically be spending the money you're spending on Tredavious White, which is top-end corner money, and a rookie. So averaging out, it's like, okay, you're paying average money total for corners or maybe a little higher, I guess. But you get the point, like, That would be great, a great situation. And for five years, you could pair those two together. So I think that's a very interesting option for the Bills as they go forward here and look at the NFL draft. All right, let's take a look at safety now and talk about that because this may be actually the easiest position to even talk about overall as far as personnel. And it's been like that for the last few seasons. And it looks like it's going to be like that 
heading into 2021. What I mean is consistency, reliability. I mean, it's pretty incredible to think how much Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde have played since arriving in 2017 together as free agents, as opposed to anyone else on the roster over that time. You go back and look, and I wrote these down, and they're in the article. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, basically, I went through and listed the percentage of snaps each one of them has played over the last four years, going back to 2017. And the lowest amount was actually this year when Poyer played 89 and Hyde played 82. Otherwise, we're talking 94, 99, 94, 87, 96. I mean, these guys don't come off the field. Now, in 2018, Raphael Bush, remember him? (laughs) He actually retired after the season. He was the big nickel, and he did play 45% of defensive snaps. But generally, that was having all three of them on the field. He wasn't replacing Poyer or Hyde. This year, Dean Marlowe did fill in as a backup, and I would say played really, really well when he did. He had 22% of the defensive snaps, but the good thing about him is he can play either side or for either guy because the good thing about the way the Bills run their defense is Poyer and Hyde, there's no free safety or strong safety. There's no left or right. They can both go down in the box. They can both play center field. You know, these guys, they're very versatile. They're very good at what they do. They're exceptional athletes. You know, Dean Marlowe, he comes in. He can he can do it all for them. And I thought he had a really, really good year. Um, as far as Marlowe is concerned, uh, this guy, he's actually, believe it or not, been with Sean McDermott longer than anyone on the current roster. Six years. He was with McDermott in 2015 and 2016 in Carolina, gets signed by the Bills and McDermott in 2017, McDermott's first year in Buffalo. He's on the practice squad, essentially, for that year or the year after. He's been you know, kind of off and on the practice squad in the active roster. But he's been here in Buffalo for four years, on top of Carolina for two years with McDermott. No one else continuously has been with Sean McDermott for six years. Guys have come and gone from Carolina, but you know that's what's interesting about Dean Marlowe and I think why he fits in so well. And again, he played really well this year, and he had a couple of really, really big plays. Uh, he started four games, 22 total tackles, two tackles for loss, a pair of interceptions, both of them, by the way, in the Week 17 finale against the Dolphins. Also a fumble recovery. Remember in the Week 8 game against the Patriots when he fell on the Cam Newton fumble near the end of the game? But I will tell you, that was a Dean Marlowe play. And what I mean by that is his hustle and his instincts put him in the right spot at the right time, but that's where he usually is. 28 years old, reliable, knows the defensive system extremely well. He's He, he is going to be an unrestricted free agent, and why I'm talking about him so much, but I, I don't see him having like this huge role with some other team. I mean, maybe a team looks at him and goes, oh my God, we can start this guy. I don't think so. So I, I think it's it should be easy for Dean Marlowe to stay in Buffalo. I think he wants to stay in Buffalo. He likes it here. Um, he got married here last year, I believe. You know, he's he, he had, I think, Hoy, uh, Poyer and Hyde were at the wedding at the stadium. There were some pictures. So he just fits in to everything here. Um, and I think that's why this group, and I, I put them all three together, Poyer, Hyde, and Marlowe. I mean, Poyer had the best season of his career. A legitimate Pro Bowl snub, I thought. Second on the Bills with 118 tackles behind only Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, that's great for a safety not great when you're thinking about your safety making all the plays, but man, that's that's an, a, a really big number for a safety. And that total, to give you an example, 16th in the entire NFL in tackles for Jordan Poyer. He also had two sacks, four tackles for loss, four quarterback hurries, two interceptions, five pass breakups, two forced fumbles. Are you kidding me? On top of that, the dude played a key role on special teams, Jordan Poyer. That says a lot about him. Lots of guys, his status, 
they do not play special teams. He was on the field for 37% of special teams plays and had six more tackles there. He's only 29. He signed a contract extension last offseason. So he's going to stay in Buffalo for at least a couple more years. He was voted a team captain. I mean, I just don't think there's anything more you can ask from Jordan Poyer. Micah Hyde. Now, he only had one interception this past year and the year before in 2019, but extremely consistent throughout his entire NFL career, especially since he's been in Buffalo. Uh, Still playing really good football. He's also able to return punts when he's called upon in a pinch. We know that. He rarely misses a game. Through his eight-year NFL career, he's missed only, um, well, through his four years in Buffalo, he's missed only two games. And through his eight-year NFL career, he's only missed four games. So that's incredible. So when you look at Micah Hyde, he is a guy I think that, you know, obviously the Bills, he's only missed three games. I'm sorry, I said four. He's only missed three games. 125 of 128 Micah Hyde has played in his NFL career. He's only missed two games while in Buffalo over the last four years. Reliability, availability, consistency. Micah Hyde is the poster child for that. Everything you want in a player. Going into the uh, final year, by the way, though, of his five-year deal that he signed, it goes quick prior to 2017. He's been a bargain for this team over the life of that contract. He just turned 30 years old. He's scheduled to make $6.7 million. At least that's his cap number, I should say, against the salary cap next year. Now, it'll be interesting to see. Do they try to work out an extension to lower that number? Do they let him play out the final year of his contract? I don't know. So we'll see what happens with Micah Hyde. But man, I I just go back to Hyde, Poyer, and Marlowe together. Those three, especially Hyde and Poyer, you add Marlowe to the mix. This team is really good at that position. And that doesn't even include Jaquan Johnson, who has been one of the top special teams players on the team since they drafted him in 2019. 56% of special team snaps. And then on top of that, showing off how he can be smart and be instinctive when he called for that fake punt against the Patriots. And what I mean by that is the Bills have that play built in. If the Patriots show him a certain look, he sees it, he calls for it, he gets the ball, he throws it, Saran Neal catches it for a 13-yard pass on that fake punt. You know, that just goes to show you the IQ as well of Jaquan Johnson. There's no reason to expect him not to play the exact same role next year. So, you know, he'll be back going into the third year of his rookie deal. Josh Thomas spent the season on the team's practice squad, elevated for two regular season games, saw limited uh, special teams action in both those, signed a reserve future contract at the end of the season. Uh, So he's going to come back next year and fight for a spot. Overall, the safety position, just really solid for the Bills. The secondary overall, really solid for the Bills. It's been consistent. It's been reliable. You know, you, you just couldn't ask for much more of that. And when you when you think about the job that this team, this organization has done developing the secondary, I mean, think about the guys they drafted or brought in in some way, shape, or form over the last four years and where they are. You know, Jordan Poyer was basically a guy that no one really even knew about when he played in, what, Philly and Cleveland. Comes here in Buffalo. Look look what he's been able to do. Micah Hyde already was an established good player, came from Green Bay, but he's even elevated his game. But I'm talking about Tredavious White, you know, first-round pick, drafting him and where he's been. Taron Johnson, coming from Weber State, right? Think about Dean Jackson last year, what he did as a rookie coming out of Pitt. They've done a really good job. Jaquan Johnson is a special teams guy. You know, Cam Lewis, they've just... You give John Butler, Bobby Babich, Jimmy Salgado, that's the Bills, you know, secondary coaches, Butler and Babich, you know, work with the secondary guys with uh, on the back end, the corners, the safeties, and 
then you got um, Salgado, who is a nickel coach. He's the nickel DB coach. It's kind of a new position that the team created last year in the offseason, and that's him. They've just done a great job, I think. Speaking of reliability and consistency, let's talk about the specialists because that's what they were last year, and that's what Reed Ferguson has been for quite a while for this team. Reed Ferguson, he was on the team's practice squad in 2016. Then McDermott takes over. He stays. He becomes the starter at the position, and he's been with the team ever since. Only him and Jerry Hughes have been, they are right now the only two players that are holdovers from the Rex Ryan era on this team, and they've been like that now for about a year. Now, he's also been really, really good. Since 2017, I'm going to give you this number. This is incredible. Since 2017, the Bills have attempted 549 punts, field goals, and extra points combined. I just went through every end-of-year stat. I looked at how many punts. I looked at how many field goals. I looked at how many extra points, attempts. 549 is the total count. Reed Ferguson has been the snapper on every single one of them. He's never had an errant snap, a bad snap. Now, I tweeted that. He said, he tweeted back and said, there are a few personally he'd like to have back, but he's never had one that's gone awry, basically. And that's right. That's pretty incredible for any long snapper in the league. Zero errant snaps in 549 attempts, 134 of them last year. By the way, that's not including any fakes. You know, like I said, the fake to Jaquan Johnson. They had one a couple of years ago where Bajorquez basically decided to try and fake it himself. It was a weird deal against the Tennessee Titans. But, you know, that's just what you're getting from Reed Ferguson. His salary cap number next year jumps to $1.14 million. Now, that's the seventh highest paid long snapper in the league. But that's not a steep price to pay at all for someone as good and consistent he's been, as he's been uh, since becoming their starter in 2017 for the last four years. Let's talk about their kicker, Tyler Bass. This kid, drafted in the sixth round last year, all he did was a rookie, was go out and break the franchise's all-time single-season scoring record. 141 points he scored. That broke Steve Christie's mark of 140 back in 1998. So what, a 22-year-old mark from a veteran like Christie to a rookie like Bass. 28 of 34 total on field goals. Not the greatest percentage, but let's look into that a little bit. Four of six from 50 yards or more. Kids got a leg. We know that. Made three from like 54 plus in Arizona in one game. He was eight of nine between 40 and 49 yards. That's great. And he also was 57 of 59 on extra point attempts. One of those included one that should have been good, I think, against Pittsburgh that looked like it went, you know, it was good. It's so high. The officials said it was not in between the crossbars or the uprights, I should say. And they said no good. And then one field goal, that exact same thing happened early in the season. Week one, actually, against the Jets. Should have had another field goal. Everyone thought it was good. Looked like it was good on the replay, but they didn't call it like that. And then he also had a couple of misses where it looked like Bajorquez had the laces not turned properly. Now, granted, Bass still has to make them, but, you know, even the misses weren't bad misses or a lot of them or even on him necessarily. Now from week eight through the end of the season, Tyler Bass, 16 of 17 on field goals. This is the second half of the year. And one miss, that one miss was a 61-yard attempt at the end of the first half against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. That's it. So if this kid's rookie year is any indication at all, he's going to be on track for a long and solid career. 
The Bills did a great job of identifying him and drafting him and bringing him in, and I think he's going to have a really good career, and he's going to be good for the Bills for a long time. Corey Bajorquez, scheduled to become a restricted free agent. So that means the Bills, just like I talked about with Levi Wallace a little while ago, they'll have the right to submit a qualifying offer to retain his rights and then match any offer he receives from another club if they do. But to do that, it'll likely cost them more than $2 million. And again, that figure would make him one of the top 10 paid punters in the NFL by cash and in the top half of the league in terms of salary cap hits in 2021. So the Bills are going to have to determine, is he worth keeping at that price? Is Corey Bajorquez worth keeping at that price? I think I said Bajorquez and Bajorquez a couple of times differently on this podcast. It is Bajorquez, I believe. But we're either way, you guys, we know who we're talking about, right? Anyway, he is, uh, you have to figure out if that's going to be something that, and they're going to have to figure out, is that price too high? A little over $2 million maybe for a guy that was very good last year, but didn't punt a lot. And, you know, you get a more a smaller sample size than what you'd normally get. What I mean by that is he only had 41 punts last year. Barely enough to qualify for NFL statistical purposes. That was actually the fewest of any regular punter in the entire NFL. But he made him count. He finished with the highest gross average in the league, 50.8. I mean, no other player even had over 48 of a gross average. Fifth in net punting in that average at 44. And he even tied for the longest punt in the league at 72 yards. Now, not every punt was great. He had a couple of ones he'd love back. I can tell you that for sure. But he's been with the team for two and a half seasons. The first season and a half, he was very inconsistent. And then even the Bills even kept continuing bringing uh, competition into training camp, working out players. He just kept fighting people off left and right and staying with the team. Had a really good 2020, like I said. And the Bills are going to have to determine now, does the body of work now in 2020 justify giving him that qualifying offer and keeping him at the price it's going to take? If they choose not to do that, there is a risk. And if he, if he leaves, well, think of it this way. They might have to pay more anyway to a veteran to come in or have a less experienced guy at the position on a team that's trying to contend for a Super Bowl. And I don't think that's very ideal. So at the end of the day, here's a guy that's a solid, um, uh, he, who's a big part of a solid special teams unit and knows the coaching staff philosophies and the expectations of both McDermott and special teams coordinator Heath Farwell. All of that added up to me. I say I'd be surprised if Bohorquez is not a part of the team again next season. However, that shakes out financially, even if it's not qualifying him and him coming back basically at a lesser slash reduced rate. So, you know, we'll see where all of that stands. All right, I hope you've enjoyed all of this, the series, the state of the Bills. Like I said, it's the last podcast on this. You're not going to hear from me uh, on the podcast, at least for about a week or so. I'll be back. I'll be talking more and getting into, you know, free agency. We'll see what happens. Does J.J. Watt make a decision by the time I talk to you again? Uh, you can keep following me at Sal Sports. I will be tweeting uh, while I'm on vacation, anything happens like that. Uh, WGR550.com, we got the tracker up, things like that. But in the meantime, when I come back, what are we going to do next? We're going to get into free agency, who the Bills might want to target. I'll have some articles on that, some you know guys that they might want to take a look at from other teams, positions they might be targeting, things like that. We'll start transitioning to the draft as well. Uh, the offseason comes quick when you get to the AFC Championship game. 
This is not a situation where suddenly in early January, we're talking about all this stuff. It is already mid to late February, which is really cool to now be talking about the Bills offseason. And finally, having to wait that late to be talking about the Bills offseason, I should say, because that means they had a really good year. Thanks a lot for downloading, subscribing, listening. Make sure you tell people about it. Throw me a nice review, however you want to do that. It's at the WGR site, South Sports and Stuff. It's on iTunes. Um, we are not on Spotify. People ask me. It's kind of a corporate thing. You know, we don't have an agreement with them uh, through Entercom, Radio.com to put on Spotify. Not that I know of. But either way, there's lots of different ways that you can listen. Lots of different ways that you can download iTunes, uh, go to your podcast app, search for it, make sure that you have it immediately. As soon as I post it, it comes into my podcast app. I can listen to it. You can too. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Have a great President's Day week. If you're going on vacation, be safe. If you're not, be safe anyway, and I'll talk to everybody when I get back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.